Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Together, and at uh, Briam Bible Church, uh, every other month we share together in communion, and I just want you to know if you're visiting with us today, that uh, you do not be a member of this church uh, to share in communion or a member of our uh, fellowship. Uh, the communion is for the church, the body of Christ. If you know Christ is your Savior, uh, you are part of the church, you are part of the body of Christ, and you are welcome to share in this communion with us. What we will do is um, we're going to uh, share the bread first, and then I'm going to have just a short meditation. We, at our church, when we receive communion, it's really the focus of our service. And uh, I'll have a meditation, and then afterward we'll share in a cup together. The elders will come, they will pass the uh, bread first, and you can just hold it, and uh, we'll read some scripture, and we'll partake together, and the same with the cup. So this is the time that uh, we value and treasure. We know that our brothers and sisters around the world uh, share communion in a variety of ways, and they have throughout the centuries, the millennium, and uh, this is something as we reach across uh, the globe and they share that unity with brothers and sisters around the world in Christ and share in the fellowship of the suffering and death and salvation that our Lord provided for us. So I'm going to ask our elders to come forward, and we're going to share the uh, bread with you. Now, the reason we share communion together is that the Apostle Paul, as an apostle, was given a direction and revelation from God re- uh, regarding this. He tells the Corinthian church, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This you do in remembrance of me. As they gathered for that Passover meal and shared that uh, loaf of bread probably and broke off the pieces as they passed it around, uh, the Lord revealed to them, uh, they didn't fully understand it, but they reve- he revealed to them that his body was going to be broken and given and sacrificed for them. And not only for them, but for all who would come through faith and receive Christ as their Savior. And so as we gather uh, to share in this bread today, this very small piece of bread that you have today is simply a memorial. It doesn't change you. It doesn't do anything. We are in the tradition in the, in the Protestant church where we believe uh, that we do this as a, as a time of worship, as a time of memory. It's a memorial. We remember. And we want you today to remember that on the cross of Calvary, and we've always had the cross in front of us at our church, we want you to remember and to reflect that Jesus Christ went to the cross and took God's punishment for your sin and for mine, that we could receive forgiveness for sins and the hope and joy of eternal life. And so as we share this bread together today, as the Apostle Paul says, we do it in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us eat together and have a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you once again, and we never take for granted the gift that was given for us, that Jesus Christ fully God, and became fully man, and lived a full human life without sin. And because of that, was able to go to the cross at Calvary, 
and to become our sacrifice. Only you, God, are holy. But only a man could take my place, could take our place. And so we thank you for that miracle, the incarnation. And we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made and paid for our sins. Truly we do this today in memory of him until he comes. In Christ's name. We... Just a few thoughts before we share in the cup together. Also, you may have noticed the elders are in kind of close quarters up here today. And uh, that's because of this. I can get up here, I guess. No, I don't think so. I think I'm... Hi, hi, Keith. <laughs> I think I'll come down here. <laughs> this is up here for Vacation Bible Adventure, which starts a week from Monday. And our trustees, it takes a lot of work to put this up, but we use this for our a skit and music and everything that goes along with VBA. So that's why that's up here. And um, this morning before we share in a cup together, you know, uh, one time I took a course in, uh, in typing and, and letter writing and uh, some of the, you know, those uh, mechanics of that type of thing. And one of the things that we were taught was, uh, in the keyboarding and so on, was how to close a letter. Uh, what's the, you know, the official, I, and I write letters, I write references as a, as a pastor, and, uh, you know, sometimes we sign off sincerely, you know, Pastor Jim Shamaria, uh, sometimes you might sign off, you know, best regards, uh, if you're writing to uh, a girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance or husband and wife or maybe a child or family member, you would probably simply put what? Love, very good, <laughs> love. Uh, I probably wouldn't put love, Pastor Jim Shamaria. Maybe love Reverend, Reverend James E. Shamaria. Probably not. Love, Jim. When I, when I give my wife a, an anniversary card or something, uh, I put love, Jim. And um, as the Apostle Paul signed off his letters, and, and I wonder, it would be interesting to know if Paul had any idea at all that these letters that he wrote that were inspired by God that are in our Scriptures that here 2,000 years later plus we would still be reading these letters. We would still be drawing strength and comfort and guidance um, as we gather with you know, loved ones as, uh, toward the end of their life as we have this past weeks. Uh, what do we do? We, we, re- we reflect on Scripture. And, and we find whether it's that stage of life or dedicating a child to the Lord uh, throughout our week, it's the Scriptures we go to and find strength and encouragement and hope. And that's why this past year for the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and we shared in a conference last week, uh, to read, know, and live. To read God's Word. To know God's live. To live God's Word. And uh, this is important. This is why uh, we, we hold God's Word at our, at our church, in our pulpit, and our teaching very, very important. And as Paul signed off these letters and wrote to the Corinthian church. We just read from 1 Corinthians. She wrote a second letter to them. And we've been reading this letter this past week. Many of us who are reading together through the New Testament throughout the year, uh, this past week we read this last part of Corinthians together. And we've been preaching on our sections from our Bible reading uh, this last uh, spring and summer. And as Paul concluded 2 Corinthians, the last letter he wrote to this church, where he spent 18 months, he knew these people very well, it actually was the first place where Paul really settled down and lived with people. He traveled from place to place. He stayed for a short time. But in Corinth, 
he stayed there. He lived with them. He worked with them. He worked with material and, and made tents and preached and taught and led them and led them through difficult times and times of controversy and times of challenge. He loved these people and he wrote back to them. And so he signs off this, this second letter. And actually, of all of Paul's letters, and each of them he signs off in a very, in a very personal way, this one probably is, is, one, is really the most powerful in its, in its theology and in its understanding, especially as we reflect on communion together. In verse 11, Paul says this. And I'm going to read this morning from the King James translation. I normally read from the NIV translation and preach from the NIV translation. But there are a couple of things about this that are, that are significant I want to just mention. So, and it's very similar to the NIV. But he says this. Finally, brethren, farewell, goodbye. I, you know, we salute you. And then he says this. Be perfect. Now, the NIV says, aim for perfection. The literal translation really is closer to be perfect. And I understand the NIV translation trying to kind of help us because we don't, we don't belong to the... There, is, there, is a, there are a, a certain um, tradition among some Christians that they, they do believe what they call sinless perfection. That it is possible in this life to achieve the place where you no longer sin. We don't teach that. And most of the Protestant of theology does not teach that that's possible. That we, can, we certainly can live a life victorious over sin. But not of sinlessness. And so when Paul says be perfect, that is kind of, well, what does that mean? How, how can you and I be perfect? I don't know about you, but I don't feel perfect. I know my imperfections better than anybody. And the word here for perfect is really the Greek word that has the idea of to mend, to heal, to restore. Some of you have broken a bone and you've put a cast on or, or some kind of a brace or something to hold it in place while it mends or while it restores. So what Paul is saying, Paul is not suggesting that these Corinthians could reach perfection. But he's already said this to them once and he says it again. He says, I want you to, to restore. I want you to be healthy. And I want you to, to, uh, to mend. And they had, some, they had some need. And you read 2 Corinthians and you'll see they had some real need to mend. But, you know, when we come to the, the communion table, if you read the passage that I just quoted briefly from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you will see in that context that Paul urges them. When you come together, reflect. And communion is a good time for us to reflect. And, and maybe to mend, if, if we need to, in a sense, of, of to commit ourselves to, to the Lord, to, re, to remember it. Maybe you're struggling with a sin or a difficulty in your life. And, and to come to God and, and, and pray for His help and strength and, and pray for that, that mending. Maybe a relationship that needs restoration or mending. That you come, and, and that you come before God and, and ask for His help. Acknowledge, acknowledge our weaknesses. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not, there's nothing to hide from God. We're not fooling God, are we? And, 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 and to acknowledge before God, Lord, uh, I am weak in this area. I, I could use help in this area, and I need some mending and, and restoration in that sense. Not for salvation, but for our walk with God. And, and Paul says, be mended, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. He writes to the Corinthians and says, you know, be unified, live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. And then he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's one of those verses, you know, when we were young, we'd look at and kind of laugh, you know, and think about the idea of coming to church and kissing one another, you know, type of thing. Well, that's, we don't practice that at our church, okay? Um, 
However, if you have traveled around the world, or maybe you grew up in a different culture, you are well aware that this is very common. And it's, it's what we use a handshake for, that in many cultures, in the Middle East especially, men will kiss each other on the cheek. And, and uh, I had, a, I had a, a, my, my dad's cousin from the island of Rose, Jewish, in the Jewish side, that would grab my cheek and pinch it. That was his way of greeting you when he talked to you. You know, pinch your cheek. I, I would rather have him kiss my cheek than pinch my cheek. <laughs> it kind of hurt. But, but this is what it is. It's, it's a greeting. And so we could just easily say, greet one another with a holy handshake, in the sense when you, when you greet one another, that it's meaningful. That, that you really do, there is a unity, and that, you, and, that, and that as we share and greet each other, it's not just the superficial, but that we are a family, and we do care about each other. And Paul says, I want you Corinthians to do this. And he says, all the saints with me, send their greetings, we salute you. But here's the verse I want you to take with you as, you, as we come to the cup. This last verse that, that Paul shares here is tremendous. It covers really all the territory when it comes to our salvation, and it also covers the nature of God. Look what he says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And I think we could say God the Father. And the reason I'm using the King James here, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is, uh, many have, have noted, this is a Trinitarian, you know, the word Trinity, three. This is one of, the, of, of Paul's conclusions to his letters, the one that, that clearly speaks to the fact of this, this essential Christian teaching that our God is three but one. It's a mystery. We, you can't, in every illustration you use, is going to have its weaknesses. It's a mystery. But yet it's true. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and the early church struggled with how do we say this? How do we, what language, what verbiage do we use to, to, to make this clear? And then what they settled on was, in the midst of all the controversy that others were teaching differently about this, that our God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all share the same essence or substance. What one is, the other is. They all share the same essence or substance. Yet they are three distinct personas or personhoods. That's, that's beyond our comprehension. But Paul acknowledges that in this conclusion to this letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here today as a family because of God's grace. It simply means unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it and I don't deserve it. And you know it. And I know it. But God chose to give us His grace because he's a, he's a gracious God. And He chose to give us salvation and the hope of eternal life. Talking with Larry a few times over the last months, well, several times, but a few times when we had some time together alone, and he was so clear. He, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid. And of all the people I've been with in those, in those last days, sometimes last moments and last seconds, I've never once sensed a dread or a fear of death. Why? Because God has given us His grace. God gives us His grace. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the love 
of God the Father. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him will not perish, but shall have everlasting life. God so loved the world. When we were at the hospital on Friday, we had a, a, met with a team of the medical staff at the University of Washington, and I was with the family and trying to decide, make decisions, you know, about Larry's care and how to help with this, this pain and, and so forth. And I was, I was as pastor, I, I use the word proud. It's not the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is. But when Mary um, just looked at, the, at this team and said, I just want you all to know Larry's story. And I want you to know why he has this hope. And she went through and gave this the clearest testimony, you know, told Larry's story of how as a young man he came to Christ and the circumstances that many of you have heard that testimony. It was one of those amazing, miraculous stories of a Bible that was going to get thrown away and took and, and read and how God changed his life. And she gave that testimony and she quoted John 3.16 and she made it so clear. Nobody in that room could ever stand before God and say, I, I never heard the gospel. And it was so clear. And, 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 and that's the message. It's the love of God. For God so loved the world. And she quoted that. So God so loved Larry. God so loved you. Aren't you glad today that God loves you? God loves you. And if you're here today and you've never heard this, I just want you to know, I don't want you to leave this place without knowing this. God loves you. Even if you don't feel lovable, God loves you and wants you to be a part of His family. And finally, Paul says this, the communion, and the NIV says the fellowship, it's the word koinonia. We call this communion. We don't call it Eucharist. In some traditions it's called Eucharist. That's simply the word where it says, and he gave thanks. It's the word Eucharist, to give thanks. We call it in our church communion. And it comes from the word koinonia. And, but obviously the root word in communion is what? Common. Common. And so it, 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 it's to speak of the fact that we have something in common. And as we share in the cup in a moment, we are acknowledging that because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for our sins, we now have something in common. Yes, with one another. But more importantly, we have something in common with Christ. We are in Christ. And the Bible says here that we share the common, the communion the fellowship, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that has made us one together, but one with the Lord Jesus Christ because we are identified. We are in Christ. And that is why when you stand before God, which all of us will, we've been reminded of our mortality, the birth and death, we will all stand before God. And the only basis on which God will receive us into heaven is if we have that commonality that we are in Christ. So when he sees me, he sees Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, I am forgiven.
I am saved. He has forgiven my sins and given me new life. That's why we call it communion. And so I'm going to ask our elders to come back up and we're going to share the cup together. And as we share the cup together, I want to remind you we share the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We share the love of God. And we share the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that we are one together. Paul told the Corinthian church, uh, after he would spoken to them about the bread and the, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, is after the same manner he also took the cup. And after they had eaten, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, the New Covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. We gather each Sunday because it's the first day of the week and the early Christian church began doing this. Because it was the day of resurrection. It's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. This is the first day of the week. It's the day that our Lord rose from the dead. And so we gather each week to worship and to celebrate and remember this is the day of resurrection. But when we receive communion together, Paul specifically says that when we do this, we are showing the Lord's death until he comes. Today is a day that we remember, we acknowledge and proclaim Christ died for us, but we do so on the first day of the week to proclaim and acknowledge He rose from the dead. Death no longer has any power. It has been stripped of its power, its victory. We are here to celebrate life. Life in Christ new life, the resurrection, and hope through Jesus Christ our Saviors. We drink this cup with gladness and joy together. Let's drink and hold it for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We are reminded once again of the empty cup and the empty tomb. We are thank you that on that first day of the week, the tomb was empty. It was empty because our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The door was open, not to let him out, but to let us in so we could see with the women, with the disciples, with the written testimony in our Gospels, he indeed has risen from the dead. And we thank you today for the victory over sin and death, the hope of the resurrection, the joy of of salvation and to celebrate your grace and your love and your mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for leading worship today and sharing the music with us. I heard in the news this morning, they said it was hot and humid from coast to coast. I guess the West Coast ends at Ellensburg or uh, Wenatchee. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and I want to close with this for our benediction today. He has not dealt with us after our sins, 103rd Psalm, nor rewarded us according to iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, 
so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so it flourisheth. The wind passes over it, and it's gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But, but, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Bless the Lord all his works and all his places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul.